This week on Panelism, Captain Marvel, she's a hero, gonna take pollution down to zero. Well, not pollution, but we'll get into that. Welcome to Panelism, the podcast where we talk about the comics and graphic novels worth having on your shelf, and also movies, uh, occasionally. I'm Todd A. I'm Taylor Trask. Yes, it's it's a movie, it's a hybrid book movie edition. Yeah, yeah, uh, I got a book to talk about, a Captain Marvel book. Um, as, as everyone's already heard in, in our little intro, that's what we're talking about. Uh, we have both now seen the movie, and, you know, it's uh, this will this episode will come out days after the movie has come out so that that's a good some good timing for us yeah definitely good timing yeah every once in a while we i mean we used to do movies a lot um true in the early days of the todd and taylor show and so it's nice to kind of throw a movie in there once in a while we did i think last year we did the avengers uh uh, infinity war review and that's one of our more popular movies or popular episodes um so go check that one out we did wonder woman um i forget if i Logan, a couple other things here and there. I mean, so, everybody's yeah. uh, everybody's down for a superhero movie as it relates to comic books, for sure. It's like uh, I don't know. It's they they go hand in hand, right? It's we can't separate the two. Yeah, well, uh, it's less and less, less and less. <laughs> um, I, let's I say let's just jump right into it. I've got no no chit chat uh, prepared for it, and since we've both seen it, and we're we've also got a book to do. Uh, lay them on me. What are I got a text from you? I saw it first, texted you, you about it, uh, and then got a text from you that's that that clearly implied we had we had different um, uh, takeaways from the movie or different uh, reviews of it. So what mm-hmm. was what is yours in a capsule? In a capsule, um, I would say good, not great. Um, and I've only seen it once, so maybe with repeat viewings that'll that'll oh. ebb and flow. Um, and I also want to make sure that as we get into the weeds, set like any good drug, set and setting is important. And so the drug of film, um, I always want to make sure like you know, we, all, we previously we always oh, kind yeah. of talk about where and when, how and what the circumstances are. Yeah. Good In one. my case, I just gotten back from Denver and I and my lovely wife went to one of Colorado Springs' bigger big you know, that one of those IMAX, you know, mall oh, movie kind of theater, wow. giant okay. kinds of things. So we saw it there on a you know a, Decently sized screen, big, comfy, reclinable seats, all that good stuff. Two uh, D, three D, two D, straight two okay. D. Um, mainly because Rachel. In 3D. Oh God, it was in every. It was in three D, three D, like fresh three D. You know, like like gotcha. enhanced four uh, D. You know, all that, all that stuff. So actually, we don't have. I shouldn't say four D. That's a real thing, and we don't have it yet. Sadly, you know, four D, <laughs> where that you feel the wind and you smell the yeah, yeah. fire and all. You know, so I, I yeah, good, not great. What about you? Uh. I loved it. I would say it is bordering on great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw it in a normal sized theater. There's actually like a huge theater where I saw Black Panther. And I think when I saw that, I said, I've never seen a movie anywhere else. Like it was so incredible. Oh, uh, yeah. I did not see it there. I saw it in just a normal sized theater, but it was in Dolby Atmos. And I was in the uh, third row, Oh, um, oh which was so sometimes a bad move. So genius for that. I didn't know how it was going to work out, but I had to reserve a ticket and then no one did, ended up in my row or the rows in front of me. Oh, so, wow. You know, I just had my feet up, just leaning back. I'm like the only one there absorbing all this. I loved it. Oh, lucky. Um, so well, wait, the, like a- the Atmos Theater, if I recall correctly, because I saw Blade Runner 2049 in one, oh, yeah. is exceptionally loud, right? And it's, that's... It was pretty loud. Yeah. So, and but with this movie, and especially the, the very unique soundtrack, that might have been a, a hell of an experience. Um, it was pretty cool. It was good. Yeah. It, uh, you know, because I, I'm 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 an old man, and uh, uh, the there are I have gotten into a couple movies. Well, like I think we talked about. Well, maybe we didn't talk about it on the podcast. Anyway, I saw Dunkirk in IMAX, mm-hmm. and I was crazy close to the screen. Not that close, but still with IMAX, and I, I that. I almost lost my mind in because not only is the soundtrack designed to make you crazy, but there's so many, you know, claustrophobic scenes and there's so much water and like the fear of drowning. And like, that was a nightmare. 
Well, and they project so, sound through the screens through in an IMAX theater, you know? So yeah. it's, it's all pointing at you. All of this Ooh. is pointing at you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Captain Marvel is definitely like a more fun movie to see that way. I, yeah, but I mean, I um, I definitely texted you very enthusiastically because I, um, I would say my main takeaway from it, uh, like in the review sense was, I, I can't believe it's getting... You know, there's a level of hate that we can just tune out as as noise, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. but I can't believe that decent critics are uh, criticizing it to such a degree. You know, I didn't realize that was happening. I, I haven't really looked oh, at yeah, yeah. much of the crit. I mean, it's, it's making I mean, it's going to make a billion dollars. It's one of their most successful. I think it's Marvel's most successful debut. movie. Oh, good. Well, Black Panther was pretty crazy. I don't know how it stacks up to that. I mean, well, Black Panther was crazy, but then they had that ex- incredible, like, long-term run. Like, the long tail yeah. of Black oh, yeah, Panther yeah, yeah, was... Right. So, Captain Marvel... Opening, you know, we, opening-wise, that's what we're Opening-wise, it was, I think, the second or the biggest one. So, it's... I mean, it's clearly having... The, the critic critical effect is not really having much... Well, good. Much of a... At least as far as I can tell. But here's here's my here's my sort of conundrum. Because I went in really wanting to like it um, yeah. and, and love it if possible. For context, I freaking loved Wonder Woman, um, and I actually love it more now with repeat viewings than I did the first time around. Like as you sort of really as, as you can take in more of it, you realize how damn good it actually is um, for the genre, and but even beyond the genre, just as a movie, it's just a really fun movie. So um, you know, I have no problem with new and interesting things. I thought Black Panther was fantastic, um, even though it sort of still feels we'll get into this more in just yeah. in a bit but it, you know it still kind of feels like a, a a formulated marvel movie but it still had its own thing so i love black panther but i just this felt flat from from the beginning to kind of the end it just had this flat sort of feeling to it and i think i know why i really i went home really thinking about this because i'm like i wanted wanted to figure pin, put my finger on what it was i think it was a combination of an over-reliance on cg a um and and that goes for environments, but also things like Nick, you know, like Nick, young Nick Fury, young Coulson, um, etc. I don't think Brie Larson's act, Brie Larson's acting, is up to the task in this. I think oh. it asks more of her than she was willing to give. And we can talk about if that's a personal preference or not. I can make a kind of a case for what I would have rather seen. And then I think um, it's you know the the every Marvel movie from this point on at least for the near future is going to, is sort of a victim of the success of Marvel. And we've talked about this before, but it's, it's like, you kind of have to, you know, at this point you have to respect continuity in a very religious way. Um, you know, if the, anything that would tangentially touch a you know, new Marvel movie, if they can, if they can have continuity in it, um, let's go for it. And that, you know, Iron Man two got penalized a lot for that. I remember that would being like one of the, the choice critiques of Iron Man two. Oh, it's, it does, it, it veers too much outside of Iron Man 2 or it tries to involve too much besides Iron Man. It seems like we've done that more and more since and nobody has a problem with it. So it's a yeah. weird weird double standard. But in this case, I think... Well, but that's so early in the... In yeah, the that's, that's true. But it'd be, but it's not like they've not done that since. They've done it almost more. And it's now it's... You know, people may be used to it. I don't know. So oh, I yeah, think yeah. Was, I'm just saying like at the time, there, the stakes were different because like you you veer too far away from the thing that worked or whatever, or vice versa. And it's like, ah, where are we going with this? You know, are yeah, they gonna, is this going to become the Hulk where it gets worse every time they remake it? <laughs> but I think I think even more so the thing that could have overcome those issues were if this were if this were a four or five part miniseries on Netflix, I think I would have loved it so so much more because i think they asked they they tee up a story that they didn't have time to tell to its greatest effect the oh, the idea see, that, yeah that's interesting i i i would disagree with all of that mm, okay that, well, go, that go, part go. of it that section so i think like um <clears throat> i i definitely thought it was you know cinematic worthy of mm. that mm-hmm. and uh there was the reliance on cgi it was weird how that affected me with like Sam Jackson and uh, Colson. I can't remember that actor's name, um, but Clark yeah, with, with Fury and, and Colson, like it was weird. And especially mm-hmm. because Fury was such a big part of it. Well, you t- um, tell me what you t- tell them, what you told me about Fury. Cause I asked you specifically, I was like, <laughs> you said, how was the CGI? How did it hold up? And I said, the CGI 
held up better than Sam Jackson's 70 year old body <laughs> because there's like a scene where he's running upstairs and you see him like, <gasps> yeah. Yeah. I, remember, I, I, as soon as I saw it, I'm like, that must be one of the scenes he noticed. Yeah. I, I thought like, Oh man, this poor guy. Like if he were, you know, if he just looked like he does, you wouldn't yeah. necessarily think like, wow, that old man struggling up the stairs. Like if you saw him as a 70 year old man, you'd be like, wow, that guy's kicking ass, you know, but yeah, yeah. seeing him, 30 something years younger was, was disturbing. Uh, I, <laughs> I thought Brie Larson, like, I'm not like a huge uh, Brie Larson. Like, I, I mean, I, I, I'm very neutral on her, you know, yeah, yeah. I actually came away thinking she was the perfect Carol Danvers okay. versus when she was cast. And I yeah. thought, Oh, this is weird. Now like when, I, when, yeah, I don't have that context. I should, I should yeah. make that clear. I have I have just dabbled with Captain Marvel in the comics, mainly through her appearance in the Ultimates mm. um, from time to time. So that's co- sort of my context. I really don't have much beyond that. We're going to talk about a book here in just a bit. Uh, yeah. You've read, so I, hopefully I'll, I'll be able to get more into it now. But not knowing that character, you know, in the like, I don't know sort of what the the type is. But you're you're saying she nails it. Like she is. I mean, I, it, comics comics accurate. I think. Uh, boy, I don't know how to explain what my impression was first. Like, I don't know because I think even in the trailer, she started to win me over because I mm. saw it as more of the, um, like, sorry to make this comparison, but like a combination of Maverick and goose, you know, like, uh, like yeah. both responsible and wise cracking. You got a little bit of that in the trailers. I, one of the things I loved is that this did not start with an origin story, especially to a character that not a lot of, I mean, she, you know, Captain Marvel's huge, but like mainstream huge. No. Mm-hmm. And so to start in, you know, in media rays and she's already like, she's got powers, you know, something's going on, but she's somehow this alien. And it's like, I loved that mystery unfolding. Um, I, you know, I can I think like, like you and I hinted at, we're going to talk about the Marvel aesthetics in a minute. And I think that held it back a little bit. I think Mm -hmm. if, if the directors could have made it a little bit more artsy, they could have told that unwinding mystery in a more, you know, memento ish kind of way or something. Oh, damn. Um, But I did, I I did appreciate that it came with that complexity and not a, um, uh, you know, not, not a just like linear, origin story um but but i mean here let me elaborate on my point because yeah you you have a literary mind you you understand good writing you understand good storytelling so this is like you're the ideal candidate to sort of push this to but (laughs) my like as it was as it was coming to an end especially she was confronting jude law's character at the at the very end you know having realized his betrayal and all you know all of all of that i really that scene could have been so much more uh, mm. loaded with all kinds of things like you know her just utter sense of betrayal like I, I just I wanted to feel that scene so much more and I think if we had four to five hours you know where epi- episodically we could delve into the more of their relationship you know to get like we got a glimpse of it in the beginning where they're doing you know she wakes them up to go fight and we got a glimpse of it through the you know their mission but not really like I wanted yeah. to really know her you know I wanted to know when that when she when the team realizes that she's turned I want that to be like a, a tragic thing, you know. I want her, I want to see more of her relationship with um, uh, Annette Benning's character. I feel like you know there just wasn't. Yeah. I want to know why she was so you know her and her best friend um, were so loyal to that character. Like yeah. what was it? You know why was that such a thing? Just the mystery around why she disappeared. We only saw the mystery of her disappearance through her best friend and and her yeah. and that the daughter. So yeah. it's like you know you think about there's not a lot of. It's actually a very small, intimate cast at the end of the day. For for as big as the movie feels, it's not a lot of characters, which yeah. is interesting. You know, it's I, Logan I, did well with that, but I go think ahead, sorry. Uh, no. I to address one of those points, like I I think the um uh so it, to me it felt like, and I don't know if we're trying to like spoil this or not. <laughs> Let's just call spoilers um, from now on. I mean, I think um yeah, I I think the. Uh, the turn, you know, when, when she figures out that Jude Law's team is not, does not have her best interests at heart. To me, it felt like at that point, that's when the character, we like, we didn't really need the follow-up. It was mm-hmm. sort of like all the pieces were clicking into place because of what uh, Marie or Maria had told her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was all like her past was, it was locking into place and she understood, um, I, you know, that, that she'd been, 
uh, 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 conned for, yeah, for lack yeah. of a better term. Um, so, and, and I, and part of that feeds in. So part of my objection to your statement about, or my disagreement with your statement about it being a Netflix, like a mini series is that I, it, this is a meta thing to complain about, but that's, I don't trust Netflix or Hulu or even HBO to tell it right. Well, let's like, let's say it was HBO to some extent, but like, you know, I'm afraid it, we'd have that aesthetic problem where they'd be trying too hard to make it fit within the like Jessica Jones. Uh, but no, but know. I mean, let's let's I mean, let's say it could have been the first min, the first mini series or series on the Disney, you know, the the Feige managed oh, Disney oh Marvel streaming thing. I mean, just. It, I I wanted to know. I mean, like there was so much good stuff that we just got glimpses of. Like her relationship with Maria was yeah. pretty was was obviously strong, and that those two actresses had a really wonderful chemistry. But I you know I wanted yeah. to feel it, it almost. I mean, just in the in the context of the movie, it felt like she had only been gone. You know, six six or six or seven days, or even a couple hours, Versus, and she comes back. Yeah, six years. instead of six years. Yeah, it's just they're like, oh hey, you're back. You know, and then I just, there's we could have had more time to really play in those spaces and just part of it, it might just be my need to, to get a lot more bang for my buck out of, you know, I'm so yeah. spoiled by TV these days yeah. and having all that, like to go back to a movie setting, yeah. then it's like, Oh, I feel almost a little cheated. Like this story could have worked so much better. So then, yeah, it, it, I think it, I'm, <laughs> I'm taking that cynical view of like game of Thrones is never going to happen again. <laughs> You know, uh, like that's the yeah. only show we can trust to tell these stories in like pure, like cinematic detail, you know, versus, uh, I don't know. I like, a, I mean, I'm like an umbrella, umbrella Academy really. I, you know, for what I wanted it to be, it, it really freaking works. And if they try to make the umbrella Academy movie, it would have just, Oh, it just would have felt really yeah. disjointed because they couldn't have spent all that time nuancing. Like you got to get, you had to get Ellen page, really emotionally to that point where the end makes sense in the context of that show. So for Captain Marvel, again, I liked what I saw. I just wanted, I, I yeah. wanted it really broken down. Cause I think in those, hmm. if you could have given Brie Larson more time to find the character, I, I think she could have really, because she had some really wonderful moments, especially her chemistry with Nicholas, uh, uh, um, Nick Fury, yeah. like, like she and Sam Jackson had some really good chemistry. I didn't expect to to be the case and so like you know that she had some moments i'm like i really wish they gave her more to do now that said it's a movie so it kind of has to we have this dual problem where on tv the showrunner is the king so you know vince gilligan is was the king of breaking bad and directors came and went for you know different episodes and sometimes he was a director but his creative vision and aesthetical you know aesthetic choices ran the show you know, in movies, it has traditionally been the director's job to be that that voice, that individual voice. So, like that, you know, that's why movies look and feel totally very different from one another. Um, in the case of Marvel, it sort of is behaving by TV rules. Kevin Feige is the showrunner of the MCU for all intents and purposes. So you get directors who come in and have a say, you know, to some degree, but they're they're all operating within the very well crafted machine that has been built over the course of the last you know 10 years where you know the you know effects are usually done by these studios or these groups yeah and we have this and like everything kind of looks the color palette has to look this way it has to do these things like the this even the costumes to some degree very angular very like you know they all sort of look like the same person had an eye on it and that's nothing yeah. wrong with that but it definitely pulls me more into a tv mindset so then you've got mm. You've got these this string of movies that, while wonderful they are, do kind of feel like they are single episodes of this of the most expensive TV show of all time when you layer them back to back. Right. And so you've got you're like that being the case, then I think that pulls my mind into wanting, okay, if that's gonna if they're gonna look and feel this way, then give me don't give me a movie, give me seven hours to really tell the story. And I'll, you know, mm. if that means every Marvel well, movie gets seven hours, great. I don't care. Yeah, I'd I'll welcome that. You know, one of the complaints I saw about it, like from a, a, a real, you know, like a critic, like not, not a, not a troll um, was that it was mundane. I think that was the word mm. they used. Mm. And I thought when I was watching, I was like, man, I never felt bored during it. No. And all those yeah. sort of quiet character moments. I, I did feel like I almost, I was like, I kind of want more of this, but in my head, I knew this is a two hour movie. Um, 
uh, because I had specifically looked at like the time of this movie because I, I was like, this is gonna be like Infinity War, right? Not gonna be three hours. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I I knew like, oh, it's a it's a two minute, it's a two hours, like one fifty nine, I think. Yeah. Or or right over two. It was like right on there. And so I knew like they've only got this much time to tell the story, and she hasn't even flown yet. You know, yeah. something big's got to happen. Like I just knew it. So to me, those quiet moments just kept piling up until there was this great payoff of her becoming that hero at the end yeah and then i ended up seeing it all as this uh origin story and it also even though it had like a big space battle um and it you know it had all these big grand things happen it was still a very personal conflict and it Mm -hmm. was not a wonder woman battle of the gods because although her uh, be careful because wonder woman's conflict was intensely personal I mean, to her, I mean, just right. it had giant it had, consequences it, yeah, to the, yeah. the world, but it's, it was, I just, very... yeah, I just don't like when superhero movies get to where it's like, uh, you know, uh, like a, 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 in Wonder Woman's case, like a literal deus ex machina where it's like, what, you know, what God is going to appear to either save <laughs> this world from ruin or vice yeah. versa. Like when it gets to that level, it's so huge that I, I just, I don't like it. Um, and, and uh, to make a, like a video game or like role-playing game analogy, it's, you know, in two hours, your character can only get up to like level four or five. Yeah. Like, but so many of them, it's like, man, they go like, you know, act one is level one to three. And then act two is three to six. And then act three is like, Three to twenty. Yeah, but uh, whoa, <laughs> and you're whoa, like, whoa, wow, whoa. how did how did you get so powerful? But wait, right there, she's only punching people, and I get she had the 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 yeah, technical yeah. restraint, so I understand yeah. why. But she's you know she's laser blasting and punching people like, and that's literally it. And then at the end, she's ripping through spaceships like they're shredded cheese. Yeah. You know, just like ripping through. I mean, the ship that Ronan had in well, Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. that gigantic Warhammer looking thing that looked impressive as hell. There were three of them in this. And she was just like, zip, zip, just like, like, a, like it's a fruit roll up, just ripping right through. Yeah, that it. does kind of kill my, my point. She definitely and, like went, went like jumped several levels up there. But and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. Right, I, just, right. I wanted it to feel even more earned. Right. Well, I wanted, I wanted to I see that. Because here. That. The scene thing. where she, the scene where we saw this, I mean, the, the, my favorite sequence was the one where we were seeing the, the black box um, play out on screen and right, then Jude right, Law, right. And oh, she yeah, shoots, she so shoots the thing and in hyper slow motion, we see the core uh, graft onto her. And it was yeah. just like, what a cool ass sequence. Like, I, yeah. I'm like, man, if this had the heft of five hours leading into this moment, I would have just like, I would have, I would have cried. I I just don't, I I guess the thing is like with uh, so many shows lately, I don't, I'm not getting the heft of that. I know Uh, it's so weird and it's like, yeah, but there's an, uh, I don't know. I'm sort of idealizing on the Netflix. Like I'm idealizing. I I am sort of taking an idealistic point. When I say TV in this way, I'm really thinking about carnival game of Thrones and maybe breaking bad, you know, like the the three you know best shows of the uh, best of the best. Yeah, but like you know, why, why not shoot for the best? Let me let's talk about uh, one thing that we haven't mentioned yet, which is Ben Mendelsohn as Tallow slash Keller. Yeah, I'm gonna say Ben Mendelsohn is the Tim Curry of this of this decade. <laughs> I do not know what that dude's real accent is is or right. is supposed to be, and have never known it. In every movie he's in, he picks some weird. Like just like Tim Curry, you're like, are you Scottish, British, German, or well? But the thing with Tim Curry is, you're always like, I know for certain you're not British. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, what is I, that? I don't for and- sure. That's a fake accent. <laughs> Whereas with Mendelssohn, I'm always like, what part of Great Britain are you from? <laughs> I but he might be Australian. He might be from New York. I don't know. Like when he, he doesn't. It's, have- oh my god, it was so funny in this movie. I'm so glad you brought him up because when he is the scroll at the beginning and, mm-hmm. and uh, I heard his voice when he's talking to, uh, you know, Carol, I was like, God, that voice sounds so familiar. Like some mm-hmm. of the inflections, I, I know who this is. It's just not coming to me. And then he shows up, you know, uh, spoilers um, in, in the human guys. And I was like, Oh, what do you know? There's Ben Mendelsohn. <laughs> there he is. Yeah. <laughs> but at yeah. that point he's doing an American accent. So I didn't put it together. You know, until like the very end of that scene, like right, you know, right as the turn's happening. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. That's he who is, I heard earlier. He is going to be that character for the rest of his life. Like, he, I mean, think about in the last three years, 
Sheriff of Nottingham, the bad corporate dickhead in Ready Player One, um, the, the corporate dickhead underling in The Dark Knight Rises, the um, uh, bad guy in – oh, shoot. What did we just see? Oh, uh, the Rogue bad One. guy in Rogue One. Yeah, it's just like that is his yeah. – He's. I mean, and his Rogue One character was basically Cardinal Richelieu from The Three Musketeers, also played by Tim Curry. So <laughs> this – I mean, that was basically who that was. Like, I this Ben Men. I'm I, calling. He's it. not as campy. I I mean, yeah, Tim Curry. <laughs> Tim Curry. Oh, I know. I mean, um, Tim Curry. Oh, although, oh my gosh, we got to talk about though when he shows back up when the scrolls do the turn and he shows back up to make his emotional appeal and oh, he's wearing yeah. that jacket the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> that was. Not only was that campy, but all I could think of was this Jerry Seinfeld like throwaway line from the TV show where he's like, "I just like a monster in a jacket." And he's talking oh about Frankenstein God. and stuff. And I was like, holy shit, they've realized that vision of Seinfeld. Wow. You know, put a monster wow. in a jacket. It's always funny. It was um, it was very distracting, him having that jacket. Like, only the jacket remained. And I'm like, really? I wish they yeah. didn't have a line to be like, I just locked the jacket. You know, it just wasn't it wasn't there. I, yeah. <laughs> I Something, wonder if that I was mean, in there. Do you feel like the movie lost? I mean, because I'll just say this. It was always obvious there was something up with Jude law from scene one, right? He, they right. telegraphed yeah, yeah. that pretty hard. So it was like, well, clearly he'll either be a scroll or something will be up with him. Yeah. yeah. Um, in the end. So, so I, when the, uh, when, when Talos basically reveals like, Hey, no, like we're actually, we're, we're not the bad guys here. Did it, did it feel like it lost its urgency during that period of time while we waited for the Jude law reveal? You know, it's just, uh, I, well, see now here, here's one of the confusing things of going into it is like, someone with a, like a little a slightly more uh knowledge of the comics than you um so it's interesting to hear that like assuming you're you're sort of the lay person like plus one or or two you know in captain marvel familiarity and i'm not up there in fanboy territory but i've got a couple more points than than that so to me what happened in that moment was i was like but the scrolls are the bad guys you know, mm-hmm. so to me, I kept trying to figure out what's the other switch that's going to happen here. You know, like it, it, it was, it was clear, like, well, if, if, uh, uh, I can't remember, you, you just said his name, but Mendelssohn's character, if he, if Talos. he were being truthful, then, uh, she had been set up by Jude Law's character, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and vice versa. Like, if Jude Law is being truthful, then she was being, you know, played by Mendelssohn. But the but the interesting thing as a comic book reader is that you're going, but the scrolls are definitely the bad guys, yeah. you know? Oh, there were some comic... I actually had... Dude, there were some comic oh. fans. I went to a shop Sunday, and there were some comic fans who were talking about the movie, and they were bitching. They're like, the scrolls are the bad guys. They were yeah. mad that the scrolls were completely underutilized. I didn't... I mean, I, I was, I'm familiar with them. I, I didn't. Yeah, I don't have any sort of precious stake in any of you know how, how they're you, used. One of the things I was so happy about though was when we saw that trailer that had the scrolls on the beach, like walking up out of the water. Yeah, I did have a moment of fear in that uh, that trailer because I was like, "Oh man, don't turn into like a million scrolls show up on planet Earth." Oh yeah, like I did not yeah. want it to be a replay of the Chitari in Avengers, like just pouring, you know, like I just saw <laughs> this thing of like all of a sudden, like a hundred thousand scrolls, like paratroop into the you oh, know, ocean and come crawling out. And, Ugh. and I just didn't want that, that I didn't want the Kree scroll war happening on earth, like yeah. with millions of players. So to me, it ended up being such a relief of like, Oh, it's just this small party of scrolls. And I, at least, and I, I, not at a comic book shop, but I talked to a couple of my geek friends the other day. Cause I was asking them like, you know, was Ronan a Cree in the other movies? Like, I don't remember that being explicit. And they said, yes, it's pretty explicit. I guess in the first guardians that they say he's like a rogue Cree. Yeah. So they do. That, I, and that, I, explains, I, uh, that explains that yeah. explains the other guys uh, working for Ronan at that point. You know, it's um, right. Damien, did you Jamian Hunsu or whatever the heck uh, his actor's name is? Go on. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, then, it, yeah, yeah, it, um, yeah. I'm glad you you mentioned that actor because yeah, he's in that Guardians movie, right? Yeah, in the very beginning, yeah, yeah. right? And um, yeah, so when he shows up in this, I was doing that same thing of like, I'm pretty sure he's a bad guy in another movie, <laughs> you know. Although, by the way, while we're talking about it, props to Lee Pace for coming back, which was what for what was probably two days of shooting. You know, it's like he had to put on Lee the makeup. Pace. Lee Pace is Ronan. Oh, 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 that yeah, yeah, right. There because he didn't have the same makeup when they showed him. I was honestly like, oh, they didn't get Lee Pace back. They got some, you know, they brought they brought in some kind of sound alike or look alike because it kind of felt a little off. It felt like, you know, 
when Aladdin 2 came out and Robin Williams was not the voice of Genie, but it was someone who sounded kind of close. I was just like, Oh, that's what they did. And then I was looking at the credits. I'm like, oh, it was Lee Pace. He did oh, show man. up. So they- I was sure. I was going to try to tell you, if you hadn't looked at the credits, I was going to say twist. It was Hugo Weaving. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? I didn't come back to do Red Skull. but <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> that would have been amazing. to Ronan's part. You're like, what the hell? <laughs> that's and incredible. just or, in the or, Hugo Weaving voice. <laughs> like very Or what's obviously. the guy... What's the guy who voiced uh, Red Skull in, in Infinity War? Just bring have that guy. Yeah, that, that he guy? actually went to high school with Rachel, uh, strangely enough. Um, she's Ross she Marcan. Ross Marcan. Yeah, I think he was in her class even. So um, so that's that was interesting. Uh, one other thing. What was I going to ask you? I've just lost my train of thought. We talked about Ben Mendelsohn, though. We talked well, about Lee we touched on it a little bit, but your big question was uh, about, you know, is Marvel doing the right thing by making all their movies in the same visual aesthetic? Yeah. Um, and and uh and you went uh further on that and said this is a question you asked me over text and does it dilute the entire experience when there aren't unique povs and voices and things and and i mean i'm you know my answer to that is what i gave before which is i think uh some of this the the details of the story could have been told in a more artful form Mm -hmm. with more of a personal like director's touch but uh, the thing I've not said before, but what I said to you in a text was like, I have just been so impressed. I, I mean, it's just, it is flabbergasting how Marvel has kept these movies together mm. in a sense that's like bigger than, I mean, it's bigger than anything that's ever been done. Well, it's because I mean, you, Kevin Feige is the showrunner. Like he, yeah. he, he was able to accumulate. And then early on they were, they were, they were smart enough to give him dictators control over the entire thing. Yeah. Like but, he's a goddamn showrunner. They've done such a good job of of giving the new directors like enough like free reign. Yeah. You know, I think I think there must be some sort of uh, agreement where it's like you, you got to hit these story beats and it's got to look this way. But otherwise, you know, because it's like you think of like Ryan Coogler and it was it uh, 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 did Peyton Reed do Ant-Man and, um, you know, like they, those were like and the Guardians with uh, uh, James Gunn, like those were things that all had a different feel than phase one of the universe. Oh, that, no, know? that's true. That's very and, true. I just, but I'm getting... they, yeah, but I think within that aesthetic that I, that was the thing that communicated to us like, Oh, it's still the same world, you know, but Whereas, I, I but know. like I, I am having, I go, I went back and rewatched Iron Man one um, recently and there is a tactileness. I mean, some of the early Iron Man Agreed. CGI, like when he's getting the suit on, it's, you yeah. can t- you can see a little of the same. But a lot of that movie is incredibly tactile and yeah. incredibly physical, and you feel just like the original Star Wars movies. It, you feel it's like it's a world that's lived in. Like there's a lot of a lot of our, uh, our, uh, Iron Man's armor is seen in pieces on the ground, and he's touching it, and he's banging on it, and it's, and it's all that. Even when he's wearing it, they shoot him you know, with actual armor on. Um, from like the waist up, you know, they actually you know, strap them in it uh, or, or a lot of it. So it's like, and, and even the Captain America, you know, even like um, uh, Winter Soldier, very same thing. You feel like the impact of all the fight scenes, especially yeah. that el- the elevator scene, for God's sake, very yeah. physical. Yeah. So in this newer era, and I'm thinking specifically about, you know, Captain Marvel, but Thor Ragnarok, especially felt like oh, the yeah, entire yeah. thing was shot. Out of, like the directors, you know, but who've it, been able to do what they want. <laughs> It sounded like, I mean, and yeah, Taika did, I mean, tonally did something very unique, yeah. but it looked, it just, the whole thing looked like it was shot in somebody's garage. Like the whole and thing was yeah. just all CG. And it's starting to get, like, like I recognize that a lot of Asgard in that movie looked fake as hell compared to Asgard in the second one, which was a, a not as fun of a movie, but yeah. felt like it was lived in. You know, it felt like you could, you could yeah. walk around it. And this just felt like it was a section with a giant ass screen, you know, green screen behind it. So there's a lot of that Captain Marvel, uh, a lot of those Captain Marvel scenes that had, I'm like, I wish this was cause, cause I love the quiet moments as we yeah. both do. And I really wanted some of those moments, especially, you know, when she's up, you know, not on earth to have a, a just a more lived in feel, just some, mm. just something to, I don't know, just more physicality. And that's not a fault of this movie so much as I think that, sh- that edict, that production edict of, it has to cost X amount. You're going to use yeah. these these studios um, to do the CG you know, or design it in this way, and just and, and yeah, that helps them make three of these a year, like clockwork. Right. Well, I, that's what the that's exactly what I was about to to point out was like if they did it as a show, then would that 
you know, it might feel more tactile, but then they can't do any of the big effects and then yeah. it's going to feel even more disconnected or, but, but I have a question on that. So, I, cause I wanted to address this other point of criticism that I saw, which was that the movie was quote a mess. Hmm. When I heard that criticism and then especially after I watched it and I, I was like, okay, I get that the sort of mystery of her, you know, origin and how these creatures like interact in her life was not told. Like it was, it was dragged out for a long time. Um, it, it's, so I, I'm like, is that the mess they're talking about? Because I thought, you know, just objectively speaking, Aquaman was a bigger mess. Civil War is a bigger mess. <laughs> Justice yeah, League, Suicide mess. Squad. My God. Uh, but those you, are know you know but, what? You know what, though? You know what, what it is? What you're saying to me is like, I'm wondering, like, do you think it's the CGI that's the mess that they're talking about? I No, I actually, I, I, I think what they're talking about is, and I, I had a sense of this throughout where I'd look over at my wife who is not, I mean, she hasn't mm. seen infinity war yet. She does right, not. Right, right. She's, she's got, I mean, she's probably seen three Marvels ever like black Panther being the most recent one. And that's, you know, and then before that probably winter soldier, maybe like, you know, so it's like, she's got big holes in her knowledge. Captain Marvel starts starts off as though you, this is again, goes back to that TV show mentality of like, here's the next episode. You're caught up. We yeah. know you're caught up and we're just, and so there Perfect. were a lot of moments where I'd look over at Rachel and I'm just like, man, I wonder how much of this she's picking up because yeah. they're making a lot of insider assumptions or they're assuming a lot of the audience at this point, which I don't blame them. Right. You know, at this juncture, you're most of the people seeing this, I would say, have seen everything, at least the last six. Um, you know, if you're a younger kid or something, probably the last six, you know, up to this. So you're aware of the continuity, but they do really play a little fast and loose with it. And I think it could feel a lot messier if you weren't. Yeah. I would totally get this, that. That is know? such a great point because that that's the trade-off is like, yeah, visually, aesthetically, they're all in the same universe and it grounds us, but it only grounds those of us who are already in that universe. It's almost yeah. gotten to a point where you have to have seen every other preceding movie yeah. in order to get the latest one because there's so, I, I there were se several things in this where I, I think you would have been completely lost like mm -hmm. honestly the time period threw me at the beginning because um of the way they had made sam jackson look i thought it was they were trying to go back even farther oh so yeah. when when blockbuster video shows up and then some of the soundtrack you know uh cues happen i was like wait what year are we in you know yeah. and then and and then i actually appreciated that it was that she'd only been gone for six years because if they had made it like you've been gone for 20 years, I would have just thrown the whole thing away. Like get the yeah. fuck out. You know, like if she comes back and Maria is like 45 years old or something and she, you know, Carol hasn't aged, I would have hated it. So I, I really liked that. It was a believable amount of time. Like, you know, um, but I, quick, well, yeah, hit, hit a quick note because I was going to steer us into the book um, because I think that'll actually let us talk about some of the other, like, you know, uh, technical things about Captain Marvel's origin and stuff. I just got one quick little hot take. I was in that same comic shop where they were talking about it. They had mentioned that one of their friends in leaving the theater threw out one of the best end credit scenes that could that would make the end of, of Endgame just, just dazzle. And as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, God, I got to repeat this. Imagine, if you will, at the end of Endgame, um, you know, the Avengers saved the day. Maybe some of them die, but clearly, like, Captain Marvel – uh, Black Panther, Spider-Man, they're alive in this case. Maybe it's the inverse yeah. of who died this time. Maybe the core team has to has to go. Whatever. Captain Marvel's alive. There's like, a, you know, there's the world is celebrating. They're, they're, they won. They're, everybody's back. You know, yay, Avengers. And there's like a parade. And Captain Marvel, she, you know, she's waving. This girl, this young girl comes up to her with red hair. And she goes, you're my favorite Avenger. And she touches her. And as she touches her, there's a shimmer. Something happens. And that young girl is young Rogue. Getting her, <laughs> getting her dose of, of Captain Marvel's powers. I'm like, oh my god! And that that single handedly not doesn't set up the X Men universe, but gives a wonderful little tease to hold people over. I'm like, you genius! I'm like, I want to meet this friend because that sounds amazing. That, that sounds so much like Patton Oswalt's uh, filibuster in Parks and Rec, oh, where, totally where he combines the <laughs> Disney, Star Wars, and Marvel. Dude, his that vision, that yeah. vision is going to come oh, to pass. He's, he's, oh I mean, God. we're going to look back and be like, that dude was right real quick. I want to, I want to close, we'll close on the movie real quick, but let me just say this, something to look out for in every Avenger, uh, Marvel movie going forward, the original Avengers, that first Avengers movie, 
it continues to be probably the best of the Marvel movies because you could have gone into that thing completely cold right. and been totally fine. Like they make and it, it almost caters a little too much to newbies, but you don't care because all these you know all this other amazing stuff is happening, and you're yeah. you almost feel like an insider. So there's a way for them to juggle that. But I'm going forward, I'm going to be a lot more sort of skeptical maybe it's not the right word just you know sensitive to it so yeah anyway. no I, I i totally agree and and uh, you also put another mess in my mind which is the mess of ultron which is like oh all the, the mess of you know um, yeah that was and i remember defender. it's so funny because i remember us talking about that and i was like man i loved ultron i think i loved it even more than the first one and i i loved it because i went in with all this backstory of different characters mm-hmm. but the proof is you know in the watching i've never not ever rewatched Ultron. Mm, interesting. And yeah, I've seen that first Avengers, you know, six or eight times probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Part of it's just the magic of that being the first time that they've oh, put yeah, this yeah, together exactly. in the right way. So like, let's go to the book because yeah, yeah. I want to know more about how Carol Danvers is in the book and if any, what Brie Larson's portrayal does or doesn't do to that. Yeah. So that yeah, history. concurrent to this. And I think we, we posted about on Instagram several weeks ago, um, so Marvel just did a five issue limited series called the life of captain Marvel, um, written by Margaret Stoll, uh, Carlos, uh, Pacheco and Marguerite Sauvage do the pencils. Oh, there's another pencilist. I am so sorry that I forgot. Um, the, uh, three issues in they switch, uh, one of the others, but they, but they do a really cool thing with that, which is, um, maybe, maybe it's just one issue, uh, for one issue, there's a different pencil penciler. I'm sorry. I don't remember who that is. Uh, they switch artists because Carlos Pacheco does all the present day art. And then Marguerite Sauvage or someone else, whoever this other person is, I've forgotten does the flashback scenes. Oh, that's cool. There's this great clear visual break in the art that, that lets you know, like I'm looking at a flashback, you know, I love Um, that. Yeah. It was a great idea. Uh, And, and then because I thought the, you know, Colors and the covers themselves are so awesome. Uh, it's Rafael Fonteras and Marco Menez who are doing the inks and colors, and Julian Tadino Tedesco does all the covers. Julia um, Tadino Tedesco, yeah, That's, I love that name. <laughs> um, but they are like really, really cool. The second one has this uh, awesome uh, sort of Norman Rockwell thing of the little girl Carol in the mirror that the Captain Marvel Carol is looking at the mirror and seeing her younger self. You know. Is that by um, the same artist? The one you posted on Instagram of her taking off with a suitcase. Yes. Same, same artist. artist. Yeah. Okay. I love that cover. Yeah. As did a lot of our followers, apparently. Oh, good. Yeah. It's, um, you know, uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> this is a, like I said, it's a limited series. Um, it is not a telling or retelling of the origin. Um, it is, uh, uh, but it ends up retconning that origin in a really interesting way. Um, so Marvel clearly planned. Can I ask the, a quick question about that? Yeah, what, yeah. What is the prior to all this? Oh, what is and the prior origin? to the movie? What be, because I I know loosely that Marvel in the yeah. comics gave her her powers. Yes, but it was I mean, and the movie I, I think took that and, and just made it. It seems like they they did a cool twist on on that yes. notion. But what do you know the original story to be? Uh, I, I believe it, I, what I know of it and I'm not, I'm no expert, but I believe that's what it is, is that there was a Marvel who is always this Cree alien and he once looked like an alien, it, like in the early days of the comic. And then he just became another white guy with blonde hair. And, uh, then they, then when they decided to kill him off, he sort of donated his powers to Carol and she became Captain Marvel. Um, I don't know how that affected the future Captain Marvels because mm-hmm. there was at least one other. Um, uh, uh, and oh my gosh, I've forgotten the the character's name now. She's still in the universe, but she has um, uh, she has different powers or something now. Um, who am I thinking of? Uh, Monica Rambeau. Oh wow, that's Maria Rambeau. That's the nod to uh, mm-hmm. Monica Rambeau, who was um, Captain Marvel in the eighties. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I, I don't know how that, that power got transferred later when that happened or whatever, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure that the standard story has been Marvel just sort of like infused that energy into her. Okay. I honestly, in the book, I mean, sorry, in the movie, that was one of the parts that I thought was like, 
kind of, I mean, it was interesting because it's, you know, what you're led to believe at the beginning is that the, that the Cree somehow in saving her life, like she believed she was Cree mm-hmm. and they gave her these powers, but they wanted to teach her how to use them. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we learn through her, you know, through that flashback um, that the explosion actually gave gave her the powers, which I, I was okay with, except that it was like, man, isn't it just the Hulk or, you know, any I, other kind of superhero kind of, kind of, but I almost wonder, part of me almost wonders, you know, and, and they didn't flesh her out enough, so we don't really know, but I wonder if Marvell didn't do this. This was an all part of her plan. Not that they'd be shot down, but yeah. that Carol would basically be the, the catalyst for this energy. And that the ship wasn't the thing. It was always going to yeah. be somebody like Carol or Maria, which is why mm. she groomed them and kept yeah. them along, not groomed them in the Michael Jackson way, but in the real mentory oh way. They but like, you know, because they were really loyal to her. And it was like, well, maybe this, maybe she chose them very specifically so that, I mean, it, it just seems if that yeah. were the case, how awesome yeah. that, you know, that it all played out anyway for to her design. Anyway, continue. Sorry. Anyway. So, um, uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll tell you, I'll sort of, I, I will give a spoilers alert on the, on the book because right. I like, if you're still listening to this and you just want to hear about this book, I'll give you a spoilers alert before I spoil anything. So the, this mini series was clearly planned to co- like to end right before the release of the movie. It was uh, like the writer on this Margaret Stoll had written um, a, a couple of series of uh, uh, Captain Marvel. I don't know what we're calling them these days when, you know, they reboot them so often that I, I don't know what, I guess it's a series, but uh, I had read her volume one, which came out like in 2016, which was called the mighty captain Marvel. And that involved captain Marvel connecting with alpha flight and becoming the, the leader of alpha flight as an outer space uh, protection unit, which was, I, I thought like interesting. And there was some like, you know, it was, it, it was one of those books where, it was kind of a soap opera of the superheroes, you know, like you knew there was some stuff going on and they'd have these battles and they'd return to their personal lives on the ship. And you didn't quite know like why everyone, you know, everyone sort of had their own thing happening, you know, that was, uh, you know, just life problems or whatever. Uh, So because of that, I just didn't get into it. Like it wasn't like a big grand arc to me. I do have uh, volume two, um, bought that in the big comiXology Marvel sale a couple years ago, oh, <laughs> have not read it yet. Um, so anyway, they, so Margaret Stoll went from that to writing this. I don't know if she's still in the book, but they just relaunched Captain Marvel again with like another number one. I just don't think it's called the mighty Captain Marvel anymore. I don't even know who can keep up, whatever. So this was not, so anyway, having seen the movie and, and, and read the book, I now think they did this on purpose to kind of give us some a little lead into what might happen in a second Captain Marvel movie, because I don't think they're going to be able to cram any of this into end game, but um, who knows? Uh, but they, as I hinted at, so this story is, I hinted at a retcon in that origin. All I mean, it's really like more like a clarification, like they clear up some details. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll hit that once I announce the spoilers, but mostly this is just about family and it involves Carol going back home to Massachusetts uh, some truly uh, uh, wince worthy uh, s- phonetic spellings of a Boston accent in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like any, you know, put that in the dumpster and you're God. like, Oh boy, I, I can't believe I read that in that voice. You know, I just, um, it makes me wonder why they still do that kind of stuff. It's like, uh, boy, it was tough to, tough to take. Um, one, one little detail that I didn't really, uh, pick up on before is that um i guess captain marvel's cat in the books has always been chewy Mm. um and there's a cat in here i guess it's her mom's cat named jones Mm. and i was like oh my gosh this is amazing that they've named one cat after the aliens cat and the other cat is the you know han's co-pilot and then in the movie it's goose of course maverick's co-pilot and i just (laughs) thought that was a great sort of honor um the uh but anyway, she's goes back to her family and she finds out that there's like sort of this family drama that she's been aware of. And I think she it's hinted at in the movie that she had some conflicts with her father and um, that her father was a little abusive and stuff. Mm-hmm. And this really digs into that and like what, you know, why her mother was kind of covering for her father and and oh. her, her brother sort of feels like, why are you coming back now? You know, you go away for these long time, this, you know, these extended periods of time and you come back and expect everything to be just the way it was when you left and. 
so it's that homecoming thing of like you know you can't you can't go home again kind of feeling mm -hmm. um but at what develops through these five issues uh is the idea that she's gonna learn more about where she actually comes from hmm. so spoilers from here on out <laughs> um, and i won't spoil it too much but just uh you know some details may come out but what what they've changed about the details in her origin is um it, that marvell didn't give her his powers but activated the powers that were already in her mm. or or like they just happened to activate at that same time because of the traumatic thing she was going through so it ends up being what i thought was fascinating was that um uh plus lawson and i don't know if it's always been this way in the books but i assume it has lawson is marvell hmm. so um oh no no sorry that's the same way in the movie lawson says her name is marvell right yes yeah yeah so um but La but it's a man in the books oh, okay so that sorry that's that's the detail that's different right obviously um right so uh what they're changing here is that it's like in that moment of lawson like you know dying and gripping her is that like he's not actually transferring power to her it's just that that traumatic incident activates the kree powers that she already had biologically so had, developed so is she a half breed what is yes. her oh and so i don't know how long that origin has been in the comics and I, I had always thought she was half Cree, like for the past few years. So I kind of think maybe that actual origin story has been retold in the comics. Like this is the thing they just, this miniseries, I think just kind of connects those two stories to sort of fill in those details. That's why I say it that way. Like, I don't know that that's necessarily a spoiler, just that they're connecting that, but it, it makes you see that going forward in the movie, because we never meet her parents in the movie, right? Like there's no, I mean, she has memories of them, but we don't know what happened to them or anything like that. And like you had pointed out, she's, she's gone for all this time, but the only way we learn of the impact of that is through Maria. So um, I'm wondering if this series specifically sets up that sequel where it's like, now we're going to learn about the earth parents and what happened there to, you know, give her Cree blood in the first place and, mm -hmm. you know, put all this together and so I, even though I'd, I'd read like an issue and a half of it um, before I saw the movie and because it's all the Massachusetts stuff and the, the, the brother and I thought like, oh man, I, I kind of see where they're going, but I don't, I'm just not enjoying this family dynamic, but I was totally wrong. Um, and I, I, after that sort of introduction, it, it all turns, you know, and, and then the next three issues I just, I just loved because it's like action-packed and 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 it starts pulling all those pieces together um so yeah i think that's probably all i can say without like spoiling huge details and stuff but uh mm -hmm. i mean the art is wonderful um you know i really i really like the writing it's it, you know it's a superhero book so it doesn't like it blow away convention in any way it's just uh just telling a good a good superhero story and once again say the title and volume yeah. number so that we're clear now volume i'm not sure about this is just a mini series called the life of captain marvel ah, and so it's, I, just, it's just a one shot series. yeah it's just those five issues and i think it came out um i think it's in trade paperback as of like last month or something mm -hmm. because the fifth issue just came out january or february so yeah it's it packaged up in time for the movie and and good to go. But I would also say, if you know, if you like the writing, go back to the 2016 volumes of the Mighty Captain Marvel and read Margaret Stoll's run on that, because I think you'll you'll get a lot of that, you know, similarity there. Um, so, yeah. and it actually is the Life of Captain Marvel is available for free on Comicsology if you have a membership. Ooh, I just looked. unlimited, not, not paid. Just say that. Just letting people know. Obviously, if you want to go to your local uh, comic shop and support them, do that too. Yeah. Um, yeah, and this is one I read. I mean, I probably I may have uh, hinted at this, but I read it in print. Actually, um, I read that Mighty Captain Marvel digitally, uh, but I really enjoyed reading this one in print, especially because that cover art. Like, I just loved having yeah. the single issues oh, and having that great cover art, like in single issues. Yeah, it's really it's it almost it makes you wish that the the whole thing was that art, you know, almost Kingdom yeah. Come style, where it's like, oh my god, and oh, I you know. I'll tell you another thing that like doesn't come through in this is like not, I, I wouldn't say Carol's like quippy, you know, but she's, 
she's got uh, what do you call them? I mean, they're not like zingers, but yeah. she's got like a, a sarcastic sort of uh, you know, bent to her in the movie. Yeah, and yeah. honestly, I think that's one of the things, and I think um, I, don't, I don't know if I can say that that's in any of the other books I've read, but in this book, it I wanted something to relieve the pressure. Like mm-hmm. I, I really, it ended up like sort of retroactively making me appreciate the humor in the movie because I really did like that, you know, especially with like Brie Larson's smirk, that there was just a way to, for her to sort of like flip the pressure valve and like, okay, you know, we don't, well, not, she, the one thing she does here. do well is she, un, she does, everything is so understated. So like yeah. she, she's, you're able to find and mine some good humor by just being super, super like not trying. She's the opposite of Leonardo DiCaprio where like every, everything she says and does is like almost 10% less. And you're like, how is she pulling this off? Like, it's, it's interesting to watch her. It's, it's not, a, it's not a gear that you see very often. And so it's kind of it's kind of fun that they have that you know in this case, especially yeah. if she ends up you know conversing with somebody like Robert Downey Jr. or any of the other Avengers at any time. That could yeah, be a fun I, dynamic. I, I mean, it's in the post credit scene, but uh, but we can talk about it. I like that chemistry that we see hinted at, which is it's crazy to think that here is this super powerful Avenger that none of the Avengers know about. Yeah, who has a very personal, almost more personal than any of them relationship with Nick Fury. Oh, completely. And, yeah. you know, especially just have her just give her that one line in the post credits was, I just thought that was like perfect. You yeah. know, like, why do you I, think she didn't age? Why do you think she's not aged? Is that ever explained? Is, does the Cree blood make you semi immortal? I would, I would sort of think there's something going on like that. Um, yeah, but uh, I, the rest I would just chalk up to like the magic of filmmaking. <laughs> I was really hoping, by the way, when she because I'd heard about that end credit scene, and I'm like, oh man, if she shows up and she has the short hair, how awesome would that I, be? I was so ready for that. Like God. I was, that was exactly what I wanted. Was like I, I, because I, 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 I mean, I, we would have been screaming. Oh, that's one thing I wanted to uh, to uh, bounce off of you is like, how was your audience? How did they react to the film? pretty we were you know, we were in that one of those theaters where the uh, seats are pretty walled off you know you feel like your row is your row and then you don't really get to see or sense anybody else so it makes it harder to hear um hear what's going on i would oh, say yeah, it was, yeah, it was IMAX, a, yeah well no i didn't go to imax um oh sorry did, yeah no it's just a 2d theater but it was just it was one of those things where i think it was just you know it was a 5 50 p.m crowd mm-hmm. so it wasn't too late full theater but it just i think everybody was there just to see it and I don't think it was one of those opening night kind of situations. Yeah. I went in the afternoon as well. Um, and like I said, there was nobody in my row or the two rows in front of me, mm-hmm. but it was packed behind me and they loved it. Mm-hmm. And that was, that, that was helps. a very cool thing to hear. Like black Panther was a, a crazy, incredible experience. Cause it was this enormous theater and every seat was filled, yeah. you know, and I, I, there were just like kids all around me and parents and like people my age and, and younger that were like, you know, into Marvel and, um, that was like, uh, that was just like a concert experience, but this was, it felt, I don't know. It just felt, it felt really good. Everyone really enjoyed it. Um, you know, the ending, like the post-credit scene, uh, you know, got a bunch of whoops and stuff and just yeah. like there, it was, it was very cool. You know, people applauded like when the Stan Lee memorial came up. At the oh, beginning. Well, that's something else we didn't talk about. Oh my God. So yeah. do you realize this is the, uh, it's, it's his last cameo. So this oh. is, he's not, I don't think they didn't get he's uh, got him in the bag. I think, <laughs> I don't think so. They had said, they made a point. That this, this was his last cameo. He's not going to be an end game. And, oh. and this is his last cameo. And it's the only cameo where he plays himself. So yeah. yeah. Think about, I mean, that's what an interesting, and, and that, you know, I don't know if that was intended, um, but it, it's so cool that like the last version of him is him is really him, you know, from the nineties reading a mall rat script. I, I hate to contradict you. <laughs> What? But I, I'm seeing a headline that says he is in Endgame and Spider-Man: Far From Home. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, maybe not that. I mean, they can CGI create him at any time now. I mean, that's they've they've got the technology. They can rebuild yeah. him. Um, I just hope, yeah. like again, I, I just hope it's Hugo Weaving. <laughs> <laughs> he becomes I mean, the guy that shows up in like every Stanley role. He did do he did do an entire movie where you never saw his face, so he's clearly okay with not uh, having to be seen. But he can be <laughs> the character. I will say that the the opening all Stanley uh, in memoriam credits was really cool. You know, knowing that that, mm. that opening stinger 
kind of looks and feels the same way every time. It is it is to these movies what the 20th Century Fox logo used to be to Star Wars. Oh yeah. Movies. I mean Marvel is just they're just crushing it. Like I'm yeah. I I mean I I yeah. I I was I was like I said, I was so impressed with the way it it fit into everything. Um, oh yeah, I know what I was going to say about, sorry to keep prolonging this, but when she shows up at the end, I know there was some like online discussion about like, why didn't, uh, Nick call her sooner for, because for one thing, he didn't know everybody was turning into dust. Yeah. Um, uh, for, for at least for the Thanos stuff, why didn't he call her for the Chitari attack or whatever? Uh, and I saw Feige answered this and said, well, who says she, he didn't like, maybe she just didn't come. Maybe he's been calling her all along. But the other thing I thought of is maybe she has been coming. Maybe she's been yeah. back and forth all the time. Like, I don't think she left in 95 and didn't return until 2018. I think she was back and forth the whole time. It's just that, like, Nick knew she's not an Avenger. And during that time, Nick left S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, and went well, underground the, and all remember, The reason he started the Avengers was because he's like, look, she's not going to be here. Right, I need, right, I need right, right. something else to do, and I'll name it in her honor. The other thing that somebody mentioned Great was, point. what yeah. if... I mean, this, I doubt this is the case. I, I think your your take will probably end up being correct just because for, for efficiency reasons and storytelling. But wouldn't it be cool if she hasn't been back yet and the <laughs> first time he called her was like either the Chitari invasion or something around that time? So he called her. So she's been coming. It's taken her this long to get here. So she's oh, been wow. this I entire time because it's light, you know, it's yeah, like yeah. galaxies away. And so we don't know. I mean, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy can jump, you know, multiple times and all that stuff. But maybe this in this case, it's taken her this whole time to get back, you know, and that that <laughs> weighs on her her decision to stay or leave for good. And that's why she hasn't aged. <laughs> I mean, there, there that, that helps that, too. I mean, that would be the cool, like deep, you know, like, uh, you know, like, like, let's. I am. I'll say I'm going to close with this, and it's going to be the weirdest closing ever. I'm actually. It's because of my sort of need, d- desperate need to see some one some movie in this genre just be completely, just totally different that I am absolutely willing to accept and will show up for the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie because yeah. I'm just like, look, just give me some new, completely new take on this through a, a director's you know, uh, pig headed point of view. I just, I want to see what, just, and maybe it's terrible. And I'll be like, I'm, I'm glad Marvel never bothered to do that. But I just, you know, part of me, ah, I don't know. I, what we got is great. I, I, you know, I just, I, I, I envision a world where maybe one day Marvel can, can be a little bit more risky. Well, you know? I mean, you know, I, again, not to prolong this, we should talk about this in another episode, but I, I think that's where DC is really dropping the ball is yeah. that they have this, and maybe the Joker kicks it off. Who knows? They have this great opportunity to tell unique stories that are tied to each other, yeah. but not, not so concerned with continuity and uh, the interrelatedness thing. Like it would be so cool if, you know, um, parts of Shazam and the Joker and Suicide Squad 2 like all end up you know hinting at each other but it's not like three sequels or whatever yeah, yeah. and and yeah. and the thing is like with if they wipe the slate clean of the Zack Snyder verse then go for it like you're yeah. this is a perfect time to do that you know stop stop being that universe yeah <laughs> that, gave, that gave us justice league god i let's let's just be happy. We have wonder woman, Aquaman and soon to be Shazam, which I'm predicting is going to be one of the biggest ones they've ever done. I just, I'm looking at the reviews. I'm looking at what it is. You got the double, the double, uh, double take guarantee of, of both Zachary Levi and Mark strong. Like, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be something pretty special. I think you're going to see a lot. You're going to see a lot of the same kinds of comments you saw when stranger things came out where it's like, wow, Oh my God, this homage is everything I used to love, but in a unique, classy way. It's just, I, it's going to be that kind of a thing. So we live in a, we live in a world with an abundance of riches. I will, I will say that both the movie and your book review have legitimately made me interested in wanting to know more about this character. Oh, I want to, cool. I want to scratch my, my itch to, to know more about Captain Marvel. Cause I feel, I think it yeah. is, I think it is both the things that the movie did right, but also the fact that I feel like there's so much deeper story to be told about this. I want, I want this character contextualized much, much, much deeper. And honestly I do too. And I think reading uh, the life of Captain Marvel, I I actually, I feel the same way, both the movie and the, and the book, like made me feel like I still haven't found that one book where I go, 
oh, I, you know, like I get the whole mythos and like I'm fully on board, like Carol core all the way, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, this has definitely enthused me to, to go look for it. I'll read that second volume of, uh, of the mighty captain Marvel soon. Yeah. So, well, in the meantime, where can folks find us? You uh, can find us anywhere that podcasts are listened to and downloaded and such, uh, like iTunes and Google Podcasts and Stitcher um, and all the others. And you can also find us online. We especially like it when you find our Instagram, which is at panelism.inc. And that is also our website, panelism.inc. Yes, that's a real top level domain. Uh, I think that's it. A fine summation, sir. A fine <laughs> summation. If you're still listening, God bless you. This is a, a longer than a normal one. It's actually not so long considering some past episodes, but it's still it's, definitely. Yeah, it's not Game of Thrones. Like, yeah. It's still, uh, <laughs> still. which by the way, Wednesday in Westeros, uh, subscribe now. Coming back soon. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's still on, but we appreciate you. And uh, thanks for following. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends and we'll see you next time. All right, Taylor, I will see you next time or I will see you at another time.